Thanks, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you all on this phenomenal day. Um, I'm just excited. I'm excited for this fall. I'm excited for what the Lord's doing. I'm excited hearing some of the testimonies coming out from our Ignite groups, people gathering together, growing in love, growing in grace. There's healing, miracles happening, financial uh, miracles happening, and it's just absolutely exciting. I'm also really excited for the conference coming up, but I think, and Thanksgiving, of course, stuffing my face will be amazing. Um, but I think the most amazing thing that I'm excited about is the fact that our baby girl is arriving at the end of November. And uh, we're just so thrilled. We can't wait. And it's good. It's really good. And the other thing I'm excited about is I'm really excited to share with you this message. I feel like it's been percolating in my heart and in my mind for the past 10 years. So, um, you know, just hold on to your seats. We're going to go till about 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, so please turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 1. We're going to start at Genesis 1.26. So turn there, stick a finger in it so you don't lose your spot. But then before we do anything else, I want to share with you something that I heard during our pre-service prayer. And while we were praying, I just kept on hearing in my spirit and in my mind the Lord saying, Take another drink. Take another drink. Drink of my presence and drink of my love and drink of my spirit. Drink of me this morning. And I've heard people say, drink, don't think. I've heard others say, think, don't drink. And I think both are incorrect. We need both. We need to become drinkers and thinkers, right? We need to drink of his spirit, but we also need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so I'm going to invite you this morning. Hold out your hands. Ha, ha, ha. Turn your affection towards heaven. Turn your heart towards heaven. And Lord, we choose to drink of you once again by faith this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you said that whoever believes in you, as the scriptures have said, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Ah, and Lord, we receive that living water this morning. We receive your grace. We receive your life. We receive your mercy. We receive who you are and what you're doing in us. And Lord, I thank you for redemption and restoration. I thank you for healing and wholeness. Right now, in Jesus' name, we just declare financial breakthrough over some of you. We declare healing over some of you. We declare the kingdom of heaven is accessible to us because of what Jesus has done. And it's within our grasp and within our reach. And Lord, by faith, we choose to take a hold of that this morning and drink you in. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, I feel, I feel like specifically there are some of us who are facing problems that are beyond our reach and our grasp. And that's a good thing. <laughs> because that means we are forced to dive deeper into him who has the supernatural answers to our problems, the supernatural answers to our solutions. So Lord, we welcome you. We say, come Holy Spirit. Okay, before we continue on, I want you just to take your hand, put it on your neighbor real quick. And just say, come Holy Spirit, come upon my friend, come into their spirit, come into their mind, come and mess them up, God. Come on, mess them up in the best way possible. Shake them out of their fear and pride and anxiety and worry and bring your grace and your truth and your life into them in greater ways. Amen. Amen. 
right? We want to be drinkers of the spirit of life. Ah, <laughs> the agent of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit himself. And this morning, it is my joy and my pleasure. I want to share with you because the past, I, I feel like the past couple Sundays have just been so phenomenal. You know, two Sundays ago, Murray preached this message about um, how the disciples are, are worshipers because they saw the glory of Jesus. He's speaking about the glory. Last week, Ash was preaching about um, experiencing him and wanting more of him. And I don't know about you, but I can leave on a Sunday morning and I can go, you know, I can't meet with God unless my butt's in a green chair. That's a little bit comfortable, a little bit wider. It's got good support for my back. I just struggle meeting with God. Or I struggle meeting with God unless I'm at 2304 Page Road. I struggle meeting with God unless I walk through the doors of the church building. And maybe I will have arrived if God sees fit to one day put me into full-time Christian ministry. That would be the dream of my heart. That would be what I want more than anything else. And I know I will have arrived when I have an office and my name on a plaque on the door. Well, everyone, I have good news for you. I still don't have a plaque. I still don't have a name on it. I still don't have my name on the door. It doesn't matter because the reality is, is that God has called all of us to ministry. And you are in full-time ministry right now whether you get paid or not. All of us have the privilege of being in full-time Christian ministry. And he's actually called us and is sending us. And the primary arena for most of us is not in a church, it's not on a platform, but it's in our work, in our families, in our schools. That's where God has called us. That's where God has sent us. And this morning, I would like to preach to you a message about the purpose of work, the difficulty of work, the redemption of work, and finally, the glory of work. And this could easily be a four or five part sermon series, but we're gonna squish it down and give you, a, give you an overview. And so, it's gonna be exciting. I'm excited, we're gonna be talking about our work and how God has called us to our work and how he has blessed our work and seen that in scripture. All right, so Genesis 1, 26. What, what happens is God, we're opening the scene in scripture on the middle of the sixth day of creation. We're seeing how man and woman are created. And up until this point, if you are reading Genesis, you are looking at how exciting the things are that are happening. God is creating light. He's creating um, ground. He's creating trees, stars, moon, sky. He's creating all these things, and every day, things are getting more and more and more complex. And that is leading up to a certain point in creation. And every day, something happens. And every day, God looks at it, and he goes, that is good. That is good. That is so good. And he's not looking at it like an inspector in a clinical way going, that is good. That passes the test. Checkbox, the birds can fly, the fish can swim, the animals can run. It is good. It passes. No, the picture we get is of God rejoicing in creation, rejoicing in the goodness of creation. <coughs> and out of that place, let's read Genesis 1.26. And we're going to go down until Genesis 
to somewhere in the middle. Okay, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. That will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And already God saw all that he had made and it was very good. See, up until this point, creation has been good. But when man and woman together are set over creation, it stops being good and it becomes very good because it's God's plans and his purposes to create us. And so I'd like you to take a, take a minute, look at your neighbor, look them right in the eye and say, you are very good. You are very good. And now we're going to take another second and you're going to turn to your second choice, the neighbor who you didn't turn to the first time. And you're going to say, you are very good. You are very good. And now we're going to take a minute. Ah, and I want you to turn your affection to the Lord and drink in the fact that he is saying over us this morning, you are good. You are good. You are good in how I've created you. You are good in how I have made you. You are good, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. Drink that in. Drink that in. <coughs> Continuing on. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And that word for rested could also be translated as refreshed. And on the seventh day, God refreshed himself with his creation. On seventh day, how did God rest? It wasn't just by saying, I am tired. Creating the entire known universe has worn me out. <laughs> he instead said, oh, I'm going to enjoy my creation now. And out of that enjoyment, that is going to be rest for me. And realize this, that on the seventh day, God rested. But on man's first day, man rested. And what we were called to do is we were called to work from rest. See, it's the rest of God that actually enables us to work as God has called us to. The first day of creation of man is the first day of rest for us. And what is that rest? You know what that rest is? That rest is God speaking over you. You are good. You are good. You are good because when, when that comes into our spirits and into our souls and into our bodies and into our minds, what that enables us to do is that releases us to work. 
and we work from rest instead of for rest. It's the rest of knowing that he has said, you are good, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter over us. Let's keep going, we're gonna go a little bit further. I think I stopped at verse four, so we're gonna start there. Chapter two, verse four. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no man to work the ground. That's a problem. There's no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And skip with me once more real quick to Genesis 3, 17. This is after Adam and Eve have disobeyed that very command. They have eaten from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is what God says over Adam. He says, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it. Literally, through pain, you will eat of it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. What we're seeing is that God created Adam and Eve and he blessed them. And what people commonly talk about in Genesis 1.28 is what's commonly known as the dominion mandate. is God blesses them to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. And what they are tasked to do is to continue the work of God. Man's work is to continue the work of God. Man's work is when God rests, we rest with him, and then we continue what he's given us to do. And some people have said that in order for us to truly do what God has called us to do, we must take dominion. We must rule. We must reign. We must lead in every area, in every sector of society. We must be the head and not the tail. But I don't quite think that's what this is saying. Because in Genesis 2, there is no mention of dominion. There's no mention of of ruling, what there is, is there's work. And there's this idea that we actually extend the rule of God through our work. We extend what God has done by working at what he's put in front of us and doing that really well. And what, what we see is that Adam is representative of all of humanity. And so all of humanity is wrapped up in Adam. 
all of culture, all of art, all of history, all of anthropology, all of humanity, everything, every single area that you see us specialize in in our modern world is actually the seed of it is an atom. And what we see is that God is depicted as a blue-collar worker. He's not a white-collar worker. He's not just accounting. He's not just ruling. He's not just reigning. He actually has his hands in the dirt, building and forming Adam. And then he breathes into him and he says, you are good. And then what does he do? But he takes him and puts him in the garden and he makes Adam a gardener. He doesn't make Adam a ruler. He doesn't make Adam a king, although Adam has dominion over everything. He puts Adam in the garden to work it, to love it, and to take care of it. You know what Adam is not? Adam is not a park ranger. He's not there going, get off the tree, stop eating the grass. I told you already, stop going over there. Keep it as it is. He's not there to simply preserve creation, nor is he in the garden to use creation at its expense for his benefit. What Adam is put in the garden to do as a gardener is to bring out the beauty of creation. That's actually what a gardener does, isn't it? When Hendry and I, we moved into our house recently, about a year ago, and the people who were there before us, they were retired and they gardened, man. Gardened a little bit too much, if you ask me. And we come in and they had this beautiful vegetable garden with trees and not, no trees, but plants and vegetables and fruit. They had all these trees, all these crepe myrtles, all these bushes, trees I couldn't even tell you the names of, but they looked and they smelled beautiful. And we come in and you know what we did? That's not gonna work for us, let's take that out. Uh, we don't have time to, to garden. We'd rather have grass for Wesley, so let's remove that. Oh, that's not, and we started rearranging and changing the garden. That's what Adam is invited to do here by God. He is invited. He can chop down trees. He can plant other things. He can plant trees that will produce fruit for him. He can rearrange a shrub. He can plant something over here. He can do, he can do as he sees fit for creation. And so we begin to see that actually that is what all work is. All work is this. All work is taking the raw materials of a certain area and rearranging them to draw out its potential and cause humanity to thrive. It doesn't matter if you're in art, if you're in science, if you're in finance, if you're in customer service, it doesn't matter because what you're doing, what you're tasked with is this, to, that all work is taking the raw materials of a certain area and rearranging them to draw out its potential and cause humanity to thrive. What's music? Music is taking the raw material of sound and rearranging it so our souls flourish. What's architecture? Taking raw materials of stone and ore and rearranging it so humans can meet. What's writing? Raw materials of human taking the raw materials of human experience and forming it into narratives to make sense of our lives. And this is what Mark Knoll in his book, The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind, writes. He says, who formed the world of nature, which provides the raw material for physical science? 
Who formed the universe of human interactions, which is the raw material of politics, economics, sociology, and history? Who is the source of all harmony, form, and narrative pattern, which is the raw material for art? Who is the source of the human mind, which is the raw material for philosophy and psychology? And who, moment by moment, maintains the connection between our minds and the world beyond our minds? God did, and God does. And so we see that Adam and Eve were actually blessed to work at what was in front of them. So that's the purpose of work. The difficulty of work is that Adam and Eve turned away from God. They wanted to be their own lords, their own masters. And God says here that the ground in Genesis 3:17, he, he's saying this, the ground that was previously in harmony with Adam is now against Adam. The arena of work that Adam was called into is now against him. Through pain, he shall eat of it. So now work is no longer just enjoyable. Work is painful. And no matter how much we labor for fruit, no matter how much we long to see the things that are at our, at our heart's deepest desires and deepest longings, instead what will grow are thorns and thistles. And by the sweat of our faces, by the hard labor, we will eat until we die. Take another drink. Take another drink of his goodness and his presence. Because that is the curse of the fall. And what we begin to see is that there is this hopelessness that comes in. There's this frustration that begins to come into work. And what this means is that all of our efforts are stimmied. Just when we think that the job is going to be this, it turns into this. Just when we're, we have this great idea that we're about to turn into a business, and right when we're about to do it, we can't raise the capital. Or if we get the capital, something happens within our team and, our, and the people leave. Or when we have the place, right when the team's there, we can't get the capital. And it feels like we are stimmied at every turn. We get frustrated. There are opportunities that are just out of our grasp. Because what has changed is that instead of working from rest, we are now working for rest. How many of us think, if I can just get through the next month so I can take that extra day off, if I can just get through the next six months and take that week and take that vacation in Hawaii like I've been dreaming about, if I can just get through this, I can do this. And on top of that, we have way more inspiration than we have time or energy for. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to write that play. I'm going to make the movie. I'm going to write the song. I'm going to sing the song. That's not my gifting or anointing. I just want to let you know, you will not hear me singing. But that's what's in our hearts. And we start getting frustrated when it doesn't come to pass. And it's what some people have termed a midlife crisis. Oh, the job isn't doing it for me anymore. Oh, the wife's not doing it for me anymore. This car isn't. And what we don't realize is actually the curse working its way out in us. And I want to let you know that if all you do, if all you do is hang out in the knowledge of the goodness of creation, you'll be a naive romantic. 
You'll talk about how good everything is and how I'm going to work. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to start my career. I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. And 10 years later, 15 years later, you'll be depressed. Oh my goodness. Why have I not done this? This is never going to happen. I'm a failure. I'm... And it'll leave you down. The flip side is if all you hang out in is the knowledge of the fall, what you'll be is a cynic and a pessimist. Because you'll say, oh, work is just another paycheck. I'm just going to go to work. doesn't matter. I don't enjoy it. I just have to do it. I just have to do it to make money. Work is not something to be enjoyed. I'm going to enjoy my rest. I'm going to enjoy vacation. I'm going to work so I can rest. And both of those are not who God has called us to be. That's the difficulty of work. But there's a redemption of work. See, and the redemption of work is this, that Jesus Christ took all the hopelessness and all the pain and all the barrenness associated with work, and he took it on himself at the cross, and when he died, it died with him. See, Jesus, on the night before the crucifixion, he was praying in the garden, and Luke records that his sweat became like drops of blood coming out of his skin and falling into the ground. Why? Because he was redeeming the ground. He was redeeming the arenas of work that we are called to. And then the next day, he has the crown of thorns put on his head. And he took the thorns upon himself. And when he died, he died absolutely hopeless, despairing, and barren. The thing that he had started to do, he wanted to see the church begin. He died without seeing it happen. He died without any children. And he died in the hopelessness, the barrenness, and the futility. And you know what he did? He took the curse of sweating until death and seeing no reward from it. And that right there is the redemption. But it doesn't stop there. Because he didn't just die, he was raised to life again. And he died, and he was buried, and he was resurrected, and then he ascended. And all of humanity was put into him. And so his death is your death, and his burial is your burial, and his resurrection is your resurrection, and his ascension is your ascension. So now you are seated at the right hand of God in glory, while at the same time being seated right here at 2304 Page Road. What that means is all the futility, all the barrenness, all the, the cynicism has died with him. And now you and I are called to work once again from rest. We are called to work at what God has put in front of us from his glory. Because there's a glory about work. There's a glory about this is what we were created to do. St. Irenaeus of Lyon said that the glory of God is man fully alive. And there's something about being fully alive and what God has created you to do that God is most glorified and most beautiful to the world around you. 
When you begin to say, oh God, give me glory, give me wisdom, give me your anointing in the area of business, in the area of finance, in the medical field. Give me your anointing as I, I'm a janitor. Give me your anointing as I'm a food service worker. Give me your anointing. Help me serve from glory and lead from glory and do what I'm called to do from glory. Something begins to happen where the supernatural creativity of God comes into you. And you begin to see things that no one else sees and you begin to do things that no one else can do because you are now working once again from rest instead of for rest. And it's absolutely counterintuitive to the way that most of your coworkers are working because they, they see the rest of God that's on your life. Turn with me to Colossians. We're going to start at Colossians 3, 1 to 4, and then skip over to 23. <clears throat> Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, everybody. Made for glory. Verse 23, and from his glory, this is what it enables you to do. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving, and anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. When you realize this, you actually are free to work. Because then you're doing it not for your boss, you're not doing it for your spouse, you're not working for the paycheck, instead you're working for the Lord and to see him glorified, and to see him come and fill your workplace and fill your atmosphere. And when that happens, everything starts to shift. Because you'll find that you have way more creativity, you have way more time, and you have way more productivity than you ever would have had earlier. When I was younger, I was working as an administrator in a really fast-paced office. And I just felt like I didn't have enough time. Does anyone else feel like that sometimes? I have way more things to do than I have time to do it. Is there anyone? All right, I'm preaching to three of you who are honest enough to admit it, and then the rest of you are listening. I was absolutely overwhelmed. I found myself staying late to work. I found myself working on weekends. I was just trying to catch up all the time. And finally, I reached the end of my rope, and I did something. I prayed. I should have prayed a whole lot earlier, but I, finally I didn't know what to do, and so I prayed. And I felt like the Lord say this to me. He said, John, I want you to take time out to rest in me. When you are feeling frustrated, son, I want you to take a moment and receive my presence at your desk. When you're feeling overwhelmed, son, I want you to take a moment and receive my presence. And so what I started doing was I set a timer on my phone for every hour on the hour for an alarm to go off to remind me to stop and invite his presence to be with me. And whenever I was frustrated and overwhelmed, I would stop and invite his presence to be with me, which usually ended up being far more than once an hour. And so 
as I was sitting at my desk, when someone would come by and put something on it and say, hey, I need this from you. Can you do this for me? Can you look this up for me? Can you put this together? Inside, I wanted to yell at them, no, go away. But I would receive it, and then I would push back from my desk. I'd have my eyes open. I'd be sitting in my chair, and in my heart, I would just say, Lord, I welcome your presence here right now. Lord, I welcome your spirit here right now. Lord, would you help me with this? And you know what I found? I found that my productivity more than doubled. I was no longer, I had the same amount of work. I was no longer working evenings. I was no longer working evenings. And I even had extra time to do some of the things that I really wanted to do. As we start to create room and space for the presence of God to come upon our lives and our hearts in our work, what begins to happen is God comes like a cloud upon us and begins to release creativity, competency, and character into us that enables us to do our job really, really well. That enables us to be excellent in our fields. One of my, one of my friends in Toronto, he works on Bay Street. Uh, which is the equivalent of Wall Street. He used to lead a large bank. And he got burnt out at his job. And he, um, he was wealthier, so he had a yacht, and he paid a crew of four people or six people to sail him around the world. And he took a year off where he did nothing, but he just went out sailing. And every day he would wake up and he would welcome the presence and the Spirit of God into his life. And during that time, the Lord downloaded to him this algorithm, and he showed it to me, and it was like pages upon pages of, I couldn't even understand it. I said, what is this? And he said, well, what you don't know is that Canadian Social Security is running out. Pretty soon, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to pay out more than people are paying in. And it's projected in the next 20 or 30 years that that's going to happen. And this algorithm, Jonathan, this algorithm is the key to solving that problem. And I'm letting you know this, that governments and corporations are gonna come asking for this. Why? Because he took time to rest in the glory and then do the work God had put in front of him. Another one of my friends, he, he had a dream. He was a businessman from Ghana in Africa. And he had this dream, and in this dream, he saw a flower that was native to his hometown, and it was everywhere. Sorry, home country. It was everywhere. And in the dream, he went right into the middle of the flower, right into the seed, and he saw a single drop of oil. And he woke up. He went over to Ghana, got a flower, experimented on it. Sure enough, there was a single drop of oil there. And he is now building a factory to mine some of the oil that's in these flowers that previously were worthless so that riches and wealth will flow into his home country of Ghana and bless the local population and economy, all because he had a dream from the Lord. Some of my friends who are teachers are asking the Lord, Lord, would you come and land on me in my classroom so I know how to reach the students no one else can reach? Would you give me wisdom on how to do this? Some of my friends who are mothers, they're saying, Lord, would you help me with my children? Some of my friends who are fathers are saying, Lord, help me with my children and my wife. <laughs> and God is coming upon them because they have understood and realized that when we are connected to him, we have absolute creativity and absolute power and wisdom that comes and lands on us that enables them to do the job that God has put in front of them.
And the reason I share this with you is because I'm more excited for Mondays than I am for Sundays. I'm more excited to see the people that God has entrusted to us, the people within our Cash the Fire family, taking his excellence, taking his wisdom, taking his glory into our workplaces, into our families, into our schools, and having the anointing of God come upon you and teach you things you could never possibly know, and give you wisdom in ways that you could never possibly know, and give you the ability to do what he's put in front of you. And that's the invitation for us this morning. Work is not just work. Work is actually the calling of God on your life to do with excellence what he's put in front of you. And by doing so, extending his kingdom and extending his rule and his reign. I'm going to invite you to stand. There's three areas that I'd like to speak a blessing over you. As I was praying about this, I just felt like the Lord gave this to me. And we don't have time to go into the three areas because there would be a whole other sermon in and of itself. But the three areas we need to do our jobs really well to become excellent in what we're doing is this. To work on our character, to work on our competency, to work on our creativity. Character is who we are, what we're about. Competency is how well we do what we do. And creativity is actually supernatural. What are the different ways that we can do what we're doing and, and save time and save money and save labor and save energy? So say it with me. Character, creativity, competency. If that's in your heart, if you're saying, Lord, would you make me excellent in this? I want you to hold out your hands right now, close your eyes, and just begin to tell him. Ha, ah, come Holy Spirit. For some of you in this room, or for some of you watching online as I've been sharing, you've been realizing that you have been living, you've been working for rest instead of from rest, and you've been living under the curse instead of under redemption. And if you have never given your life to Jesus this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do so, and to come into his glory, and to come into his redemption. And if that's you, I want you to pray a quick prayer with me. All you have to say is, say this out loud, but Lord, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me for being my own Lord and master, for going my own way, for all the sins I've committed, for all the ways I've turned away from you? Lord, I turn to you right now, and would you come and fill my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit? And if that's you and you just prayed that, I have good news for you. You have been brought into the family of God. And we want to welcome you and rejoice with you. And if you're in the room, please come up and say hi after. If you're online, please shoot us an email and let us know. But then find a good Bible-believing, spirit-filled church, just like this one here, and make it your home. Because the reality is, is that you are being brought into his glory and being brought into his excellence. And I bless you, church family, in the mighty name of Jesus. I bless you to grow in your characters. I bless you to be full of integrity and full of love. I bless you to grow in your competency, to do your work really, really well, to do it unto the Lord, not unto your boss, not unto your coworkers, not unto your spouse, or not unto the paycheck. And I bless your creativity to receive wisdom and insight from the Holy Spirit about what to do and where to go and what to see happen. One of my friends who's a police officer, he used to ask the Lord, Lord, where is all the crime happening in the city? And he would go there. 
and he would be there before the criminals and he would be able to arrest them, take them to jail, and then lead them to Jesus. Come on, there, there's availability. Ah, for us who are architects, for us who are lawyers and doctors, for us who are janitors, for us who are CEOs, for us who work in the food service industry, for us who are customer service representatives, for us who are gardeners and construction workers and whatever it is, God has a, an anointing for you to do your work excellently. And we bless you in Jesus' name to do that, that you will be filled with his fire and filled with his passion, ah, and fi filled with his life. And as you drink of him, that you affect the work around you. So take another drink, everybody. Come on, take another drink. Drink of him, drink of his goodness, drink of his presence, drink of his love. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come and let your kingdom be established in me and through me. Come and in my workplace, in my family. Come on, I want you just to ask the Lord right now. Lord, in my workplace, would you be established? Lord, in my school, in my campus, Lord, in my family, would you give me wisdom and insight into my coworkers, into my kids, into my spouse? Would you give me insight ah, into what you've called me to do so that I could do it really, really well for your glory.